welcome back lead volunteers listeners we are in our second week of the five week ministry multiplication series and we're grateful that you're here hey don't forget success in ministry is not measured by what you do success in ministry is measured by what would happen if you never came back listen someday someday you're not going to be sitting in the driver's seat of the ministry that you currently run somebody else is going to take over and when they take over are they going to be shouting your praises that they were handed a ministry from you that is so well polished and so strong or are they going to be secretly cursing you that their life is harder because of the way that you left it to them we want to be the first group we want to be sending a blessing to somebody after us so tune in today to our second episode on ministry multiplication hey welcome back everybody we're on week two of this ministry multiplication pathway well jeff why multiply right i mean the funny thing is is that i think we understand the why but one of the reasons why we don't multiply is that the immediate demands of ministry right now we talked about this on our last episode the 100 percent of the work that falls in your plate it's like where am i going to find time to build extra time mm-hmm. to get others to help me do this i mean yeah. you want to involve others but you're like i literally don't have time to do that mm-hmm. and we get that mm-hmm. we talked about that on the last episode but today again we're we're talking in this series about this 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 pathway throughout scripture through not necessarily although there are some prescriptions like prescribing paul prescribes us to multiply ourselves however there's ample evidence from a not prescription but from a description standpoint throughout the scriptures in the law in the prophets through the life and teaching of Jesus and what he did through the early church and even Paul. So those are our five weeks. And last week we talked about Moses and his duplication of himself as the man of wisdom, his father-in-law Jethro came to town. Well, today we're going to talk about how we see evidence of ministry multiplication happening through the prophets. And so this particular episode is going to focus on Elijah which then led to Elisha, which then led to a massive multiplication of the prophets and the institution of the prophets. Well, here's the, here's the interesting thing. Um, let, let, let's start with this mystery character, Elijah. He comes out of nowhere, Jeff. Uh, out of nowhere, this character, Elijah, appears on the scene. Um, the, the town... Tishbite, uh, Elijah the, the Tishbite, mm-hmm. people don't even really know where that town exists. No, I, I don't think I could pinpoint it on a map. But, you know, but I could pinpoint where Beersheba is and the map would show where Beersheba is. Mm-hmm. Or the map would show where, um, you know, Samaria, mm-hmm. the, the town of Samaria, not just the region, but the town. Mm-hmm. Okay, th- these, these towns existed. Well, the town Tishbe, which is the town Elijah the Tishbite Mm -hmm. scholars don't really even know where it is Mm. so he's kind of this mystery figure that comes from a mystery town ish Mm -hmm. but he just appears out of nowhere and 
The time in history was absolutely perilous. Elijah is coming onto the scene at a time when the the moral fiber and the moral fabric of the nation of Israel was in horrific disarray. Now stick with me for a moment. The northern tribes, at this point, of course, there, there's a southern tribe and a northern tribe. The, the nation of Israel had split into two, and the northern tribes were being... The, their leader was a guy named King Ahab. Now, he was a bad dude. Super bad. Mm-hmm. Now, Jeff, if, if I were to... Th- if, if I could, like, putting on the spot here, <laughs> if I could uh, ask you to think of... of a historical figure that would be the epitome of evil. Who would that be? A, a, like a historical figure, like a benchmark of badness. I mean, the mind immediately goes to Hitler. Hitler. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, whenever we want to say that somebody was bad, we all go to, well, he was, you know, he's a pre-Hitler. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's some fighting words right there. Well, here's what I want to say. Before Ahab, there was a guy named Jeroboam. Jeroboam was super bad. And people would say he is, you know, he walked in the ways of Jeroboam. And it was like, whoa, bad (laughs) news. And then the Bible tells us that there was a now a new benchmark for evil. (laughs) And they no longer said he walked in the ways of Jeroboam. There was somebody who surpassed the evil of Jeroboam and it was Ahab. So now there was this new like, Dude, he's as wi- he's he's as wicked, if not more, than Ahab. Mm-hmm. That was us saying Hitler-ish. Yeah. Okay. Not now. I want to think with me for a moment. Uh, of course, the nation of Israel was 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 planted on earth so as to give testimony to the one true God. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So the main leader who was supposed to be giving testimony to the nations that God exists, that main leader. Ahab, he went outside of the nation of Israel and married a foreigner, and her name was Jezebel. Now, Jezebel was from a north country called Sidon, and Sidon, interestingly enough, was a totally pagan nation with some seriously dark religious practices that were were really deplorable. Interestingly enough, who was Jezebel? She was the daughter of the high priest of this foreign religion who worshiped Baal, Mm B-A-A-L. So her dad was the high priest, the kingpin religious figure in Sidon. Mm -hmm. So he, think think of the president of the United States married the devil-worshiping king's daughter and brought her to America, Mm -hmm. and she's now influencing policy. What? Yeah. Not good. And so she is now married to Ahab. So now it's wickedness compounding itself. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the backstory. Moses, or excuse me, uh, Elijah pounces on the scene, goes into the courts of Ahab and says, you have done bad, you need to repent, God is not pleased with you. Of course, that didn't go over too well. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, here's what he says. He says, hey, guess what? No rain is going to fall on the nation until I say it will. And then he just like drops the mic and backs out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Well, he ends up going to this river. Ravens come and feed him. That's a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Ravens feed him. He ends up going north to Sidon, the very place that Jezebel is from, has this miraculous episode where 
he has an unending pot of oil and an unending sack of flour mm-hmm. from this widow. He ends up raising her son from the dead. Then all of a sudden, of course, by the way, the nation is now has not had rain for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Now, it's hot here in Iowa right now, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But I want you to imagine, like, how long have we known each other? Seven years? Uh, yeah, yeah, seven about. years. Mm-hmm. Well, how about this? Half of the time, there had been no rain, not a single drop of perspiration yeah. or precipitation, get, not perspiration. <laughs> a little different. Yeah, people get upset if you don't get rain for a few weeks around here. That's right. Mm-hmm. So think for three and a half years, trees are dying, mm-hmm. animals are dying. It's a serious deal. But here's the funny thing. It's all Ahab's fault. And Elijah told him it was going to be this way. So now Elijah just has been missing for the last three and a half years. Okay. Um, Jezebel and Ahab have people out all around trying to find him to kill him. They're infuriated with him. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. So now Elijah just up and appears and they're like, there he is. And he said, hey, here's the deal. Let's, let's have a showdown on top of Mount Carmel to see whose God is God. If it's Baal, because you, Jezebel, and you, Ahab, are telling everybody that Baal is God. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Baal was the God of prosperity, and there was no prosperity happening in the nation. It was the actually antithesis of that. Mm-hmm. And he said, let's have a showdown. Whosoever God calls down fire wins. Mm-hmm. Whoever's God brings fire. So there's this huge showdown. Stick with me with this is like the longest intro to a multiplication podcast we've no, ever it's had it's good it's setting the i mean what's real quick what's cool about it is we're not doing the leadership guru five tips to multiply this is right. straight from straight from I, the bible yeah god kind of set the set stage a few, yeah stages for us on how we can multiply so okay. this is good bet setting the context yes so here we are they're on mount carmel this is by the way what everybody would know elijah for Everybody's like, oh, Elijah, the prophet who called down fire mm-hmm. from heaven. Yeah. And of course, they each build their own altar, and the prophets of Baal, th- you know, they, they put a, a, a cow on top or a bull, and then they prance around and run around and do all this elaborate dancing. They end up trying to cut themselves so that Baal will notice them. Mm-hmm. And of course, Elijah is taunting them. He's saying, hey, yell louder. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's sleeping. The the original language also says, maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's relieving himself in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. He can't hear you. (laughs) So that's that's, that's pretty loaded language. Mm -hmm. And after half a day of their antics, Moses, or Moses, I keep saying Moses, (laughs) Elijah, uh, he has his altar. They sacrifice a bull on it, and he pours all of this water, which, by the way, would have been a very prized commodity right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three and a half years of no water. He pours a ton of water on top mm-hmm. and prays a prayer and asks God to reveal himself to these people, and God calls down fire. And so the water, of course, is is to indicate that this thing just didn't happen to randomly combust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. right. right? It wasn't just spontaneous combustion. Mm-hmm. God caused fire to come down from heaven. Huge moment. People freak out. All the people are now yelling out, Yahweh is God. Yahweh is the Lord. Because they're like, what just happened? Okay, watch carefully. Then Moses, Elijah, he goes to the edge of Mount Carmel, prays, and asks God to bring rain. And it is a goalie washer. Serious rain comes down. Well, Jezebel is ticked. And she sends message to Elijah and says, if by tomorrow 
you're not done, dead, and chopped up. It's like made Baal do to me as I plan to do to you. Mm -hmm. Just she throws it down. Well, guess what? Even in this moment of triumph, what does Elijah do? He freaks out and runs south. Now, stick with me. I'm a, I'm a Bible nerd. If you were to look at the map of Israel, Beersheba is the most southern town in the entire nation. And so the scriptures say that he went a day and a half journey past Beersheba. So what that means, Jeff, is it would be like if I were to say to you, he went to the borders of Texas and beyond. That means mm-hmm. that he got out of the country. Yeah. Right. So your average reader wouldn't understand that Beersheba, right, is the southernmost town. And he went a day and a half journey beyond. Mm -hmm. He ends up finding himself under a broom tree crying. And he says, God, I'm the only one left. Now, in earlier parts of the Bible, speaking of this wicked queen Jezebel and Ahab, they had been systematically murdering the prophets by the dozens. Mm -hmm. And so. The prophets then, they got together and they're like, okay, we got to split up. We can't all be in one place. And so the prophets, some 50 went to this cave, 50 went to that cave, but she still found them. And she was in, she was murdering and eliminating all of the prophets in the nation of Israel. Mm -hmm. Now, whether or not it was Elijah's um, feeling of defeat that he said he was the only one or how do we know if not he was not literally the only one they were extinguishing and killing prophets whatever God then takes him to Mount um, uh, not Mount Carmel that's where they did the fire thing they mm-hmm. took him to Mount Horeb mm-hmm. and Mount Horeb is another name for Sinai where God met with Moses and gave him the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. he goes up to Mount Horeb and this wonderful picture Uh, fire came and God wasn't in the fire. An earthquake came. God wasn't in the earthquake. All these things. And then a still small voice and Elijah knew that the presence of God was there. Mm -hmm. God ends up giving him three different simple commands. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and anoint Elisha. He says also go deal with this thing and also deal with that other thing. Those are Mm -hmm. very relevant but not to our story today. So he says go and, and, and Uh, anoint Elisha. So he comes down off the mountain. He goes and finds this guy, Elisha, who is plowing. And he said, hey, dude, uh, bust up the plows. You've got a mission. God's calling you out. And so a number of things take place. And now Elisha is Elijah's understudy. So far, so good. Mm -hmm. Now, this is where most people think that the story ends and that we end up concluding the story when Elijah is taken up to heaven in a chariot of fire. This is where they think, okay, well, yeah, so he anointed Elisha, and then God takes him up in a, in a chariot of fire, a big, huge, amazing exit. Mm-hmm. Well, what people don't realize is there is about a 25-year gap in between when he found Elisha with plowing the fields and he said follow me essentially and when he was taken up to heaven in a chariot Mm -hmm. there's a humongous gap 25 years I tell you Mm -hmm. and in that time Elijah and Elisha created what we what we kind of like figuratively call the prophet school 
And most people don't know about this. It's found in scripture. Look it up. Mm -hmm. And through this, okay, remember the story of the axe head that falls into the water Mm -hmm. and Elisha miraculously calls the axe head to float to the top and whatever, all of Mm -hmm. these. There's a lot of these different miracles. Like another one was when the water was turned unsour. It was sour water. These things all happened at that prophet school. Mm -hmm. Here's the interesting thing. The long, hard, rigorous process of ministry multiplication is not glamorous. It's not flashy. It's not uh, eye-catching. It was the secret, methodical, unknown, unappreciated, uncelebrated, Mm -hmm. 25 years of building into people. Mm -hmm. Now watch carefully. This is very important. When Moses... How many times have I said Moses? We're we're on to two or three hands at this point if we're counting. (laughs) Well, here is Elijah. He gets a message from God that he's going to be taken up into heaven. Mm -hmm. And so... Watch, this is very important. You could, a lot of people could miss this part. Elijah and Elisha cross over the Jordan. And by the way, just for fun, uh, uh, Elijah told Elisha, you're going to walk in the same way that I walk. And he crashes the, his cloak. They walk across the water and he's then all of a sudden taken up into heaven in a chariot of fire. Now watch this right before that happened. The Bible says this, that Elijah and Elisha crossed over and the prophets and the sons of the prophets stayed on the other side and watched. Hmm. Now, a lot of people could miss out on what happened. Backtrack 25 years, the prophets, the institution of the prophets had been decimated Mm -hmm. and murdered by Jezebel and by Ahab. And so now... Elijah, sitting under a broom tree, crying in a a fit of depression, he says, God, I'm the only one. Why did you do this to me? What am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. And so God lays apart this plan. And 25 years later, now not just Elijah, not just Elisha are prophets. But on the other side of the river were the prophets and the sons of the prophets. Mm -hmm. That means that now two generations deep of prophets, they had been rebuilt. Do you feel the power of this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, that picture changes when all of a sudden it's what, when you see what he's leaving behind is not, I'm the only one sitting under this tree. Exactly right. It's pretty cool. And not only is he not the only one, a lot of people could think that, he had just duplicated himself in one person, Elisha, mm-hmm. which he did, mind you. Yeah. To the point where, as he was taking him up into heaven, Elisha, excuse me, Elijah says to Elisha, by the way, as I'm being taken up, if you see me, that means that God is going to give you a double portion of my spirit. He threw his cloak, he caught the cloak, the whole deal, and Elisha ends up getting a double portion of his spirit. If you actually track the two lives of these dudes, Hmm. very similar, humongous picture miracles happen. Almost, they're almost live parallel existences, but Elisha's are just that much, just a Hmm. touch more dynamic. Mm -hmm. Crazy. So not only did he build into one person to become kind of his 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 next in line or his heir apparent, right? Whatever. Mm-hmm. But there on the other side were the prophets and the sons of the prophets. And and I I I, I wanted to 
tease you with something. You see, there's a, a quote that I want to read for you that has been very inspirational to me, Jeff. And this idea of the of, of the, the big picture life of Elijah coupled with the secret building of the prophets. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to share with you kind of a summary, uh, a summary quote about this whole concept. Does that sound good? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, podcast friends. I wanted to briefly interrupt our podcast to share my heart about outreach. A cultural shift has taken place. We live in a closed off society that really isn't listening anymore. The Lead Out course provides a theologically rich and culturally relevant framework for 21st century outreach. This step-by-step course guides you through dozens of practical ideas for attractional and missional outreach in today's culture. You will learn how good works to your community leads to goodwill within your community, which allows doors to open to share the good news with your community. Learn more about the Lead Out course and all of the other courses at leadministry.com. Go to leadministry.com to learn more. And if you use the promo code podcast, you can get an additional 20% off. Now, let's step back in to our podcast. So the, the, the thing that I want to communicate, here's this, here's this, this kind of quote. The revival and the restoration of the nation of Israel was not through one man's miracles, but through decades of ministry multiplication. Hmm. So a lot of people would recognize and remember the insane big picture miracles. I mean, that huge moment where fire was literally coming down from heaven. Mm -hmm. This this showdown between 500 prophets of Baal and 750 prophets of Ashtoreth. I mean, that, that, and there's one of him and God shows up with fire. That's huge. But guess what? That huge showing of God's power and presence. Do you realize, Jeff, that the nation did not turn from evil at all? Jezebel didn't repent. Ahab certainly didn't repent. The nation went on in its pagan ways. Nothing really changed as a result of that one miracle. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. Like the trajectory of the nation still stayed as wicked as could be. Yeah. So it wasn't the revival and restoration of the nation wasn't through one man's miracles. It was actually through decades of ministry multiplication. And I think mm. that that's something that we need to own and understand because we as Americans in the West... We are just looking for the big flash, big boom, you know, mountaintop experience, both figuratively Mm -hmm. and literally, that we all of a sudden think that's going to be my main contribution is that one dynamic sermon Mm -hmm. or that one big event Mm -hmm. or that one big whatever. And it's not true. Yeah. See, ministry multiplication is this slow and methodical thing that takes place over your entire lifetime. Mm-hmm. and pouring slowly but surely into people. It is not recognized. It is not celebrated. It is not the flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. But it's what does the biggest and greatest good. Mm-hmm. How, how do you recommend kind of the, the first nudge into uh, this style of leadership when it comes to ministry multiplication? We like the results we of do. the end goal. We do. 
and even understand the process probably at, at least at a basic level. But when it comes to that first initial nudge, um, what would you recommend to leaders? Yeah. Well, if I could be so bold, the answer to that is going to be next week's episode. Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> a little cliffhanger. Uh-huh. But really, it's, it's, it's doing as Moses did. It's doing as Elijah Elijah did to mm-hmm. Elijah, Elisha. It's it's picking a, a, a small subset of people mm-hmm. and showing them the ways. Yeah. And and then and then literally doing it again and releasing them and then literally doing it again. Mm-hmm. I, I've shared it many times, but there was a guy that I saw that had great potential. His name was Cameron, and Cameron was quite a guy. Pretty much whatever he did turned to gold. And Cameron was wanting to be a part of the fifth and sixth grade ministry. And together, uh, I met with him once a week for two and a half years. Hmm. Every single week, I took him to lunch mm-hmm. without fail. He came over to my house. Uh, I did projects with him. I poured the entirety of my life into his life. And I slowly and methodically, I gave him the games on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. And he was the game guy. And he did a great job. He made a couple flubs. Who doesn't? Mm-hmm. But we talked about games for weeks. I mean, I did two and a half years with this guy, bro. And so for an extended period of time, we talked about the, the philosophy of games, where to find them, <laughs> how to not pick games that cause kids to say, chug it, chug it, <laughs> how to find games that would, would work for an entire crowd of people and not just put two people to be the only people involved. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. And then we released him. He watched me, then I he watched me and then we talked about it. I did it with him. We talked about it. Mm-hmm. He did it by himself. We talked about it. And then we turned to leading worship because mm-hmm. I was the worship leader at the time. Listen, I was the game guy. I was the worship leader. I was the teacher. I was everything. I was the only guy. Mm-hmm. I was the only one. Lord, why, why, why mm-hmm. me? And so then I slowly handed off one thing. And then he did all games. And then I was leading worship, but I could do it in my sleep. Mm-hmm. Like I, I had led worship tons of times. It wasn't that hard, but he had some rough skills. He was kind of a guitar hack. Well, did, listen, I don't. I, I care more about putting people in the game, not exactly what it looks like. Yeah. And so he started leading worship. We talked about the philosophy. He watched me. We did it together. Truly. Mm-hmm. Then I released him to do. It. We talked about it. All of these things. And so, over the first year and a half, I ended up training him to do everything went to teaching next he watched me teach for a year Mm -hmm. but then we slowly released some of it to him the last year that he was with me he was leading every aspect of the wednesday night ministry Mm -hmm. i was not even present the reason why i wasn't present is i wanted to give him a feeling that i wasn't looking over his shoulder yeah we were going to meet that following monday to talk about how it went and to talk about what we were getting ready to do next. Mm-hmm. But he and his wife ran it for an entire year. Now watch carefully. This is the most important part. Eh, most important? I don't know. It's pretty important part. <laughs> At the end of that time, Cameron af- actually did the most, the, the biggest betrayal that he could do. I'm kidding. He didn't. It was no betrayal. <laughs> but it was kind of a special moment when he said, hey, you know that small group of kids that I've been with for the last two years? I said, yeah, and he goes, I've had them to my house, I've been to their football games, uh, we know each other really well, I I feel called to go with them to junior high. 
and to leave the fifth and sixth grade ministry and to leave <laughs> this ultimate kids pastor betrayal. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> so yeah. I I had poured into him so much, and he had found such life with these kids that he didn't that his investment into them and his multiplication effort mm-hmm. about godliness into them he didn't want it to stop. Yeah. So he moved on to junior high when I was like, oh my word, <laughs> I am giving that junior high ministry the most well-educated volunteer that they've ever had. And so then I went to the executive pastor and I said, hey, um, this is too big to lay on any volunteer. We have built this ministry to be so strong. We need a staff person. And here's what he said, and I quote, well, you've left me no choice and put me in a corner. Now we have to hire. And in my mind, I was like, yes. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I had built the ministry to a point that it now was going to be inappropriate to hand to a volunteer mm-hmm. my point is this how do you, how do you go about doing this you find somebody who's willing you find somebody who has some modicum of success or some grain of hope mm-hmm. and you pour into them for the next two and a half years and you slowly and methodically hand something to them yeah it, it took it took years mm-hmm. and so this is not a quick fix this is not hey mm-hmm. right you said earlier this is like the story of the scriptures and this, the long arc of ministry multiplication through the Bible. What this isn't is five steps to have your entire ministry taken over by other people in five weeks. Not the case. Mm -hmm. This is a long-term life investment. And I got to tell you, a lot of people don't like that. They're like, man, that sounds like a lot of work. (laughs) Touche. It's a ton of work. Mm -hmm. But uh, Cameron Burt now lives in Omaha, Nebraska, and he is quite a man. Mm-hmm. And I have a piece to his story. Yeah. I really do. That's super cool. No, I'm excited on the next episode, like you said, to kind of go a little deeper. Continue yeah. to hash out how some of the hows for ministry multiplication. Absolutely. Well, gang, we're hoping that you're enjoying this five week series. This is week two, and we will catch you next week as we continue to unpack the idea of multiplying ourselves in ministry. Well, that wraps up today's podcast. Before we close, would you do us a favor? We need your help to get the word out about the Lead Volunteers podcast. Three simple steps. First, subscribe. Second, leave a comment. And third, share the link to this episode on social media. Thanks again and keep leading your volunteers.